I'm Danny Levy, and this is Digital Transformation and Leadership. Today, I'm thrilled to say we've got another one of my favorite retail brands on the show, Adorn Cosmetics. I'm joined by CEO and founder, Bryony Kennedy, who founded the business in 2009. She's a Melbourne-based businesswoman, passionate environmental advocate, former model, and beauty industry veteran. Driven by a passion for minimalizing plastic, frustrated with natural brands disgusting toxic ingredients and the completely unnecessary torture of testing cosmetics on animals, Bryony set out on a mission to revolutionize how things were done in the beauty industry. We'll hear all about her leadership journey, what she's done to revolutionize the business in terms of e-commerce and digital marketing, and a whole lot more when we chat with today's guest, Bryony Kennedy, CEO and founder at Adorn Cosmetics. It's coming up next. Bryony Kennedy, welcome to Digital Transformation and Leadership. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you for joining us. So really excited about today's interview. Um, before we you know, get into your story, I saw that you have your, your own podcast, so I'm feeling the pressure here. Uh, as, a fellow, <laughs> as a fellow podcast host, I'm always interested to know, you know what it was that inspired you to get started in your own podcast journey. Yeah, look, I guess it's something I've been thinking about um, for, for a little while prior to actually starting it. And it was really, I think, to add another layer to what we already do um, in, you know, the digital space in regards to social media, Facebook lives and, you know, newsletters. And you know, it really just adds that more deep and meaningful uh, layer to the business, to the story, to who I am. And, you know, I think like a lot of things if you can see or hear, you know, you're just accessing so many different more areas of your customer and, and they're able to do so with you as well. And I think, you know, if people can feel closer to you or to a part of you or the business or the story, it's always advantageous. Um, so really just to give that extra layer uh, to our customers. Mm-hmm. And and. Do you use the the podcast? Do you, do you repurpose it and break it up into into different types of content? Yeah, yeah. Look, it's great. It's great for content, um, and I think obviously with uh, the attention span that you have, uh, which is almost nanoseconds with people, it's great to have as much content as you can, especially when you're competing with so much other noise. So you know anything that you produce, especially in respects to podcasts. Uh, yes, we do cut uh, little sound bites out of it, and also um, we do sometimes film the podcast as well, so that there's elements of that. Um, you know, it gives that visual aspect of it as well, and then you know that may be put across our Instagram or Facebook. Um, and of course, customers and our adorners, as we call them, are always able to access this information or these podcasts from the website. Great. It's kind of a Trojan horse when it comes to um, to content generation, the podcast episodes. Yeah. yeah, you could just get so much from, you know, and I think that's the thing. It's just to get started and, you know, you know, whilst you might have some people that are, in, you know, interested to listen to a whole podcast or a series of them, you know, there'll be others that just take, you know, sections of that or, or one particular uh, quote you might have said that's inspirational for them. And so for me personally, I find the best... Uh, I suppose the the best 
ability to do that is by having other people cut uh, those sound bites out. Because for me, you know, being that it's me that's being interviewed or, you know, it's about me, sometimes it's hard to extrapolate what I might find is interesting to somebody else. So you know, I do allow my team to pull on things that they found interesting from the podcast because I feel that then obviously that's going to have momentum with, with other people and our adorners. So I think it's about having an external person or someone else other than yourself cutting those bits of content out. Love it. Yeah, that's such a great, good way to look at it. And and for people that haven't heard your your show, your podcast, what, which is it? Which episode would you recommend they start with? Look, I I think I think that the very first one, to be honest, because I, I unless you do know a little bit about Adorn or or a bit about me already, I think it's always great to get started with you know who who am I? How did I start uh, the Adorn? journey and you know that really just sets the pace for what all of the future podcasts will be and look there are in you know there's ones that are in particular about say finances um there's one that's about you know being a mum in business uh you know there's ones of you know that entrepreneurial spirit and and how um you know that all came together and what i get my inspiration from so there's so many different things that i think will uh, appeal to different people based on where they're at in their particular journey um, and, you know, based on what their own uh, likes are as well. So, I, you know, as I've been told, they're all really good and I think we have about a 80, just over an 80% uh, listen. So most of the podcast is listened to, which is excellent. So um, that tells you that it's it's fairly, I would say, fairly interesting. Yeah. 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 I mean, people, people can take it with them as well, which is nice. Uh, the podcast it's uh, it's quite personal in that sense yeah that's exactly right and I think if you're looking at doing those if you're looking at starting a podcast um, you know I think you need to you know what is it that you're trying to get across um, and you know make sure that there's there's a purpose for people to listen to you yes um, they want to hear your story but how is your story going to inspire them and how is your story going to be one that they can you know take some lessons that you've learned good and bad I think you need to be very very real and open and honest about it for people to engage with you the best they can, um, you know, to get really good feedback for them to share those podcasts and, of course, to have those snippets of really good info that you can use and, and cut and paste and use across your social. Um, but I think with the podcast, it's just getting started, making it interesting, uh, you know, make sure that your voice is interesting as well. Like I think get started is important, um, but really just try and um, have, have a bit of energy behind you as well because people are listening to you and uh, that is something that you know, no one wants to listen to sort of a, a flat monotone uh, interview or a flat monotone story, you know, try and try and be a little bit upbeat. It would be definitely my uh, recommendation as well. Love it. Good lessons there. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. Um, so, so now let's, I mean, as we get into a little bit more about your journey, um, I just wanted to, to get into a bit more about your, so your entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, you know, how did your experiences prior to Adorn Cosmetics help you succeed? Oh, look, I think we need a whole more a whole podcast for that and, and maybe people maybe some um, of the listeners need to go to mine and listen to that. But really quickly, I think that uh, I think for some people you you were born that way. I think that you know you're an entrepreneur just by 
uh, nature or spirit. Um, and for me, I definitely think that was the case. So to give you an idea, when I was in primary school, I used to have a couple of bird aviaries. I used to breed budgies. And I also had a few guinea pig cages, which I um, used to breed guinea pigs. And so what I discovered was at that time, and probably even now, a lot of kids are not allowed to own uh, pets. So I had quite a lot of friends that wanted to own guinea pigs. They couldn't. So I thought I might sell these guinea pigs to my friends. They can keep them in the cage at my house and I'll charge them 50 cents a week rent for them to stay there and they get to visit the guinea pig once a week and that includes the food. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had a rent-a-guinea rent pig, uh, I suppose, uh, business that I set up in primary school. So I saw that there was, you know, a need uh, where, you know, people wanted, friends wanted guinea pigs, they weren't allowed to have them. They could buy one for $3.50, I think I was selling them at the time, keep them at my house and on a Monday morning at uh you know, assembly, I would go and select, get, collect the 50 cents um, rent. So, you know, little things like that, uh, you know, I, I was involved in or had started myself. And um, even with the birds, you know, I soon realised that if I bought seed from a bigger silo, I could get big bags of seed for the same price as the little boxes that you could get at the supermarket. So I started selling, you know, animal food and, and small little bits of animal produce to people that I knew that had pets. Uh, so lots of little things like that along the way that I think, um, you know, if my parents didn't notice, would have soon realised there's something going on with this girl that's going to turn into bigger than renting guinea pigs. Yeah. So, you know, and... And, and, and of course, along the way, there's been other things that I've been involved in. I have had um, business prior to Adorn. Um, you know, I have been involved in, you know, doing my own things for, for, I suppose, income, but things that I've been passionate about. Um, but I've always loved the essence of business and problem solving, um, and how we, you know, how we can turn this into something that's a, of a solution and a business nature. So whether that's for me or I've helped other people, um, I think it's just in my nature to uh, be an entrepreneur. Um, for others, you know, it may be just that they've come up with a, I suppose, an idea that's been. Uh, presented to them based on experience so you can have an entrepreneurial I suppose burst in your life but I think for others you know you're possibly born that way. Mm -hmm. Is there anything specific that you kind of enjoy the most about being an entrepreneur because I mean for a lot of people you know there's the fear factor you know getting it wrong you know what if they run out of runway I mean anything that kind of drives yeah. you forward that you enjoy? Uh, look for me personally I just love the challenge of making something better and growing something. Every little detail that's, you know, the, the ups and the downs, I just love seeing something start from nothing and grow or something that is already in place that can be developed further. I just find all of those things really interesting and challenging and I, I it's for me it's a passion and I love it. A bit like some people, I don't know, might like playing golf I like coming up with business solutions it's just the way I am um, you know I think if you are looking at you know not everybody's an entrepreneur and I think that you know you, you could be aspired and, and you can be inspired to start your own journey in business that doesn't necessarily mean you're an entrepreneur and you've got the pressure of 
you know, needing to be able to come up with all the solutions. I think it's recognising that you may have an idea and a passion, but maybe there's some elements within this business that you're going to need help with that maybe don't come naturally to you, um, whether it's, you know, whether it is the design and the marketing and, you know, um, that sort of inspirational aspect of the business. Maybe you're more a tangible person, you've got the idea, but you need someone that can come up with all the fluff around that. You know, maybe you're an accountant and you've come up with a great idea, but you really need someone to help you with, know the personality of the brand so mm. you know not everybody not everybody's an entrepreneur but they but people do come up with amazing ideas and you know i think the best thing that anyone can do is just get started i mean you can mm. sit and talk about things till the cows come home but unless you get started you know you're always running the risk of somebody else uh making a move and you know possibly not you know, taking over something that you were wanting to do yourself. So you've just got to get started. Learn on the job, I think, is really um, important because you can never know everything at the beginning. It's it's really learn from the ups and the downs. Uh, you, you can't possibly know everything. Just make sure it's measured. Don't do anything that emotionally you can't uh, deal with or financially you can't deal with. So get started make decisions, learn on the job, make sure it's in a measured approach that you yourself can handle um, and, and just learn along the way. I mean, I've made so many mistakes, it's not funny, um, but I don't look at them like that. I look at them as, uh, you know, okay, this didn't work out. It took me a week to figure out this didn't work. It took me, you know, X amount of dollars that I lost uh, or utilised in in making this mistake, but I could have gone to university and spent two or three years trying to figure that out. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think I think you've just got to give yourself a bit of benefit of the doubt and just take the good with the bad and don't take things personally. Mm. And figuring it out in a very safe environment. You're figuring it out in a, in a university environment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, yeah. And, and there's, there's sometimes two schools of thought, isn't there? There's, there's kind of, you know, find what you're really passionate about and, and make a career out of that or find what you're good at and make a career out of that. Is there, is there a way that mm. you lean to one of those? Yeah, two? look, oh, look, I think that I think you can learn to be good or excellent at anything that you're passionate about. So I think just mm. move with what, move ahead with what interests you because I think if you move with your passion and, and your interest, these little bottlenecks that you have along the way or these little bumps really not going to be as bad as you getting involved in something that you're half-hearted about that you're struggling with and you don't understand I mean with passion you usually have some sort of conceptual understanding of what you're doing um and you know yes if if you I suppose have these bumps you're more inclined to want to learn and become great at it because there's the interest there so I think that just naturally precedes um you know the passion um Mm -hmm. I think I think people really need to try and, you know, invest the time in uh, removing their ideas and their business from themselves. And a lot of time, I think most times, people won't start anything because of the fear of failure. And the failure always comes back to not the failure of the business, them looking like the failure. And I think that that's a shame because in business, if anyone's honest, we've all had our failures Um, and, you know, I know myself there's been many years in in 12 years of starting a dawn that I've thought, well, I I just don't know how many steps away from um, going under I am, especially in the first 
you know, five to ten years, there was a there yeah. was a lot of hardship there to get the brand where it is. Um, but you must not take this on board as a personal failure. You've given it a go and, you know, you need to just, what can I extrapolate from this experience? What can I uh, take away from this? And just expect that people are going to judge you. They are going to judge your decisions and they're not always going to agree with you. And I think the minute you accept that, you accept that you're going to be criticised I mean, if I had a dollar for every time I was criticised or people didn't believe in aspects of the business that I wanted to to start or um, just even starting a cosmetic business, people thought I had rocks in my head. And, I, you, you know, who are you to think that you can take on these multi-billion dollar businesses that you just, like, little briny in Melbourne, like, forget it. So... You know, I think you really have to take that on board that if the, the sooner you realise you will be criticised, you'll be judged, people won't agree with you and you stop fearing that, it makes it so much easier. Almost expect it. Expect that you're going to have some negativity. So when you get it, you're not so shocked by it and inclined to feel, you know, this is about me. Um, you know, it's, it's very much removing yourself from you know, that feedback. Um, and continuing with your gut instinct, that's really what's led me. I, I mean, I've never had a business plan. I've never had a marketing plan. Uh, I, I, you know, everything, every, I mean, you know, it, God, it goes against everything you're taught in, in, in uni. Um, like yeah. I just have, everything has just been from, you know, my mind, my gut instinct as a consumer, what I want, and just always being in touch with my gut instinct and, and just not making any rash decisions based on um you know what other people are saying or thinking love it thanks for any, th thanks for sharing that Re really inspirational and if we talk a little bit around you know what what inspired you to to kind of start adorn cosmetics obviously it was it was born out of your passion for for minimalizing plastic and your mm. frustration with natural brands obviously they had kind of disgusting toxic ingredients there was a necessary mm. torture of testing on you know cosmetics on animals this is really yes. kind of the spark for you, but I just I just wondered if there was really a specific moment you could pinpoint when you realised you would set up this business. <laughs> well, w would you believe I had nine nine month old twins <laughs> when oh when I when I when I had the epiphany that yeah. I needed to start something, and um, you know, and I was also recently diagnosed with at the time and and was on medication for it and for me the epiphany was that you know I'd wanted and had thought of this and had been frustrated by not as a consumer being a been able to buy uh skincare and cosmetics that I felt um was okay um and fit within my sort of ethical uh standards but also my environmental standards um, and I guess being at home with the the boys and you know being someone who was suffering depression the way I needed to deal with that was to have purpose uh, outside of my role as a mother and I felt that I needed to do something and yes I felt totally crazy starting a business with nine-month-old twins um, which were my first uh, children but you know, it, it also made me feel that I had that that purpose, that I was contributing to society. I was living a passion rather than just wondering about when I was going to get my next sleep or, or nap um, and when kids were going to get fed next. And so in saying all of that, though, power to the amazing women and men that 
do stay home with their children and that's their passion and they love them. I mean, I love my children dearly. There's no right or wrong. There's a lot of pressure for women and men today to think they've got to do it all and have it all. Um, that's absolutely nonsense. But for me, I just wanted to do um, a little bit more and have more purpose than just being um, at home with kids. And so for me, that was how that all started. And and obviously there was incremental small steps in, in the journey to get the business tangibly up and running. But I really felt at that time, you know, which was 12 years ago, um, natural things were just not a thing. Like, you know, it was, it was still questionable about their ability to do anything or look good or, or you know, it was doubtful that they were as good as other cosmetics. And um, But for me, I just really wanted something that was natural as it could be and I just hated waste like I just didn't understand why do I need to open a plastic sleeve then a box then another bit of plastic to use a foundation bottle like I just it's just mind-boggling for me that that's needed um so there was a lot of little things like that that I just wanted to change and that was really where that that I suppose desire, like I had the passion for cosmetics and skincare, but the desire to create the brand really came out of um, the necessity for me as a consumer to have access to something I wanted. And that's as simple as it started. I just thought I just want something I can pick up a brand and know if I pick up a cleanser or a bronzer or a, a, a lipstick, it's all accredited the same. Um, I was so frustrated. I, I'd, you know, I'd find a brand and their bronzer might have been natural, but their skincare wasn't or something was cruelty free and then something. It was so disparate and not having the time to research all of this i thought how like how confusing would this be to you know most people when they're trying to uh you know do the right thing a lot of the marketing hype and and all the nonsense around it can be really difficult to to sort through so i just wanted to create a brand that people had so much trust so much faith that they get to a point where they don't even read the ingredients for a new product because they know adorn the same accreditation process for everything. You know, we minimise what we can. We don't have excess packaging. We use biodegradable. Like they know we've done everything in our power to make that product as environmental and as ethically sound as we can um, than, you know, the alternative of using nothing. So it, it really just was starting something that I felt passionate about and, and as a consumer wanted myself. Fantastic. And the brand's obviously now been around just over 10 years. Have you seen any shift in consumer behaviour in that time? Have the has, have consumers oh. kind of started moving more in this direction? Do you think they're more loyal but, now? Yeah, def brands definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, when I, yeah, as I said, you know, when I first started, people were very apprehensive about um, a natural product. They really didn't feel that it would have the results that they were used to with what I would call a traditional product. Um, and that's not to say that there are some uh, science-based products that, you know, use um, uh, synthetic chemicals that aren't great too. Like, I mean, I, I, I am a firm believer in being um, honest with people, you know, just as much as there's natural ingredients that are not great um for people um you know you could use peanuts as an analogy that's not suitable for everyone but it's a natural thing um you know just like there's some synthetic things that are completely safe to use as well but for me the preference is always just where i can uh, taking uh, ingredients from 
the earth. And, and initially that was an issue. It, it, I, I think I started a brand, well not, I think I know I started a brand that the world wasn't quite ready for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they really were, you know, where's the box? Why, why is it coming just like this? Um, how can you sell makeup online? You know, I want to be able to test it. Uh, like, how am I going to get the colour right? Okay. So there's all these little things that, I was met with, but I've had solutions along the way to make, you know, our online presence a very successful one. Um, but, yeah, definitely at the beginning people were very apprehensive about it and, you know, it's a bit like anything. You know, people feel safety in numbers. When they know more people are using your brand, they start to, you know, gravitate towards your brand because they feel safe as other people using it. And uh, so, you know, it's become almost like an accumulation effect over the years that more and more people have come on board to try. Um, and, they're, and they're more, like, consumers are more savvy than ever now. Like, they've got so much access to probably too much information, to be honest. But at least, you know, they're able to make these decisions themselves and, and you know, do a lot of research about how natural products are benefiting them and the environment and so it's definitely grown in momentum um our particular customer base is extremely loyal and i do think that that's twofold i think that it's because of the brand itself and its strong ethical stance and the extra lengths that we've gone to to get third-party accreditation so rather than just talking about how amazing we are we're proving these claims, uh, I think that's really important because you know there was an era probably a few years ago where everything was very airbrushed and very synthetic in the way it looked, and you know people were being deceived by these you know really airbrushed images and 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 now they, they they're just over that because they know for them that's probably not going to be the results. That's probably not the the exact truth that they're getting. So you know having real raw brand with you know third-party accreditations or or another institute that can back your claims and support you is just paramount I think um, when you are trying to stand out and we are one of the only brands that has all of the accreditations that we have yes there's other cruelty free brands but there's there's no one that's got the same level of accreditations that we've got it's an Australian made brand um, and you know, I think the other layer to the loyalty is based on your story, and and our story really comes from me two years ago deciding that I should probably start talking about myself and who is Bryony and why did Bryony start this. Um, I never wanted the brand to be, you know, I, I never wanted to be the brand's Bryony. Like I just don't want. I'm not interested in the fame or accolades of that. But I. And, and I guess that's why the first 10, ten years I really stood in the background and, and kept my face out of it um, or my story out of it because I wanted the brand to stand on its own two feet. But after a little bit of persuasion from my husband and also realising that Bryony Kennedy herself could represent, uh, you know, similar women or similar people in, in and similar beliefs rather than it being brand Bryony but brand what Bryony stands for. Mm-hmm. Once I got my head around that, I started talking about, you know, yes, my story. I do lots of Facebook lives. I do a Wednesday waffle in my bathtub. Um, you know, like you, all the things you wouldn't dream of doing 12 years ago. Like you would just never have unedited images. You would never be doing a live interview with yourself in the bath. Um, you know, you, you just wouldn't be doing 
any of the stuff that I've been doing over the last two years, 10 years ago, but it works because women want to see that, and I'm not sure that I love this word because I'm sick of hearing it, but that authentic, mm. you know, you know that realness um, and, you know, and that's exactly what I give them. I just give them that, you know, like me, I've got my trials and tribulations, but I can still whack on a lippy and feel good about myself, but also feel good that I've not had a negative or the least negative impact I can have by using that lipstick. Um, you know, yes, I'm normal. I've got kids. Um, I've got the pressures. Um, these are the reasons I don't want to use plastic. Like all of these things, people want to know. They want to feel part of your brand story. They want to resonate with why you do things. And that gives just a loyalty you can't buy. You just can't buy that loyalty. Um, you know, we have customers sending us, you know, um, reviews and um, all sorts of amazing things and, you know, that, that they, they have banter with each other on our social media because of that loyalty and because of them feeling that they're understanding where I stand and my, my story. So definitely the loyalty's grown and I think it's a two-part process, having a very strong brand that stands for something um, and also, you know, a story that's quite real and authentic and, you know, one that people can resonate with. And let's face it, can't resonate with everyone. So just forget that, for, you know, just forget that, you know, focus on who you can and, and I think if you're just genuine in your efforts, you'll attract the same like-minded people and it becomes effortless, you know. It really becomes an effortless pro progression into, you know, that, that uh, success of the brand. Yeah, but I guess if you, if you if you stay true to yourself and and you you play to your own strengths, um, brand and personal wise, you know, there's often enough people in that niche that will that will get yes. it that will come Absolutely. and follow you rather than trying Absolutely. to do an everything to everyone approach where that Correct. won't resonate and and it won't work in the long term. And you know, and you'll get called out on it. I think if you start sort of trying to talk about things or you know act like you 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 are an expert in a field that you really aren't, um, you know, you'll get you'll get called out on that, and and that's that's just not something you want. So I think if you don't know something or or um, you've got something wrong, you know, it, be transparent as well because people love that. Um, I mean, there's been, for example, like. I think a lot of people don't get started because they want to perfect everything and, um, you know, but for me the amount of lives I've done where I've had a, a, a brain fart, as you call it, and I can't even remember the name of one of my own products. <laughs> I'm like, you know, like I might be talking about the primer and I'm like, oh, I've, you know, oh, I've only had this product for 12 years. I'm having a, a milk. Like you just love yourself and don't take it too seriously. And that's an extreme happen but you know there could be something um you know that, that you just don't know and be honest about it laugh about it and, yeah. and people will see that you know we've all been caught out where we've met someone and forgotten their name and we've met them 20 times prior like we're all human and so i think just just get rid of the facade and uh people will be much more supportive and less likely to call you out on things as well if they can see that you are human um yeah the real the real world is not instagram <laughs> Correct. That's, yeah, abso absolutely right. That's exactly right. And look, to be honest, you know, you know, putting my face out there, you know, there are people that that troll me. Um, mm. You know, I get, I, I, gee, I mean, if I had a dollar for every negative, nasty thing that said people said about my face, um, 
you know, it's just unbelievable that these people exist, but they do. So putting yourself out there does make you vulnerable, but that's where at the beginning of our podcast I was really strongly trying to say and and put across that you need to expect this negativity, which is a damn shame. It's really sad, but the reality is you have to expect it. Expect people are going to be rude. They're going to be nasty. They're going to possibly chastise you. They're probably not going to believe in you. But there's going to be a disproportionate amount more of people that believe in you and do think you're amazing, okay? So don't let one negative person that picks on the way your teeth look or or your eyebrows or your nose being too big or whatever the bloody hell it is that they Mm -hmm. are keyboard worrying on, don't let that one thing bring down the rest of of what you are achieving because if I did, I would have stopped Mm -hmm. 12 years ago. I mean, I could cr- probably create a book of quotes of negative things I've had said about my appearance. Like, it's sad, yeah. but it's that's, that's reality. But I just don't take it on board. Like, honestly, it does not upset mm. me at all. Yeah. Uh, it's strange someone, how we, we, we seem to remember all the negative things more than the, the positive ones, just like yeah. with success and failure. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly right, and and it's a shame. But I just refuse. Like I don't even look at it. We just have a we just have a whole thing. Part of our brand is kindness, and if someone is not being kind, and that's to me, to the rest of the team in Adorn, kind to other consumers um, or Adorners as we call them, then they just get banned. There's no ifs, buts, or maybes. If you are going to be judgmental and nasty. You get banned. I'm not even, the team is not even going to enter into, and nor should anyone. Don't enter into an argument you can't win or trying to prove the point or that you're right. Because if somebody is that horrible to start with, look, it's coming from a very a different place, that one that you're not going to be able to touch. So you just delete them, move on, and, and keep focused with all the good that you can do. Because you're doing everyone a disservice. If you just stop, your amazing idea because of one person, you're actually pr- proving to be a disservice to yourself and everybody else that you could be such a positive impact on. You've been listening to Digital Transformation and Leadership. This concludes part one of my interview with Bryony Kennedy. Join us on the next episode where we get into COVID-19's impact on Adore Cosmetics and where Bryony is seeing success across e-commerce, digital marketing and social and what she thinks the future will look like. Thanks for tuning in and look forward to you joining us for part two, which is available right now.